0: There are services, and, 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 and I, wish, I wish I could describe to you in words. I wish I could describe to you in words. There's an echo up here, pretty significant. I wish I could describe to you in words what, what I sense sometimes. And the only way that I know how to describe in words, if you ever stood at the, at the edge of a cliff and you looked over into the ravine and saw the, saw the water below, or the whatever you know, the foliage or the trees. Have you ever looked over and you, and you just get lost in the beauty? Anybody? Well, that's kind of what that's kind of what it's like in services for me, especially services in, like today in this moment. It's like looking over and you see the. You see the beauty of what God's bringing us to. You see the beauty. We're, it's like we're standing on the edge. And the beauty of what God's trying to bring us to. And we're just stuck on the edge. All the while, I just jump. Just jump. And so my job this morning is to push you over the edge. (laughs) That's the description of your pastor. That's that's what a job description for a pastor is. Push them over the edge. My job is to push you over the edge in the presence of God this morning. My my job is to get you out of where you're at today and into something deeper and fuller than what you've ever experienced. Now, if if you're happy on the edge, if you're happy just... You know, a lot of people say, well, it's life on the edge. I get to live on the edge. I mean, wow. Hey, if you're happy on the edge, you can stay there. But as for me, I want to go soaring. I just want to leave. There's an old song, old, old hymn. Some of you may, may know the hymn. It's called Launch Out into the Deep. Launch out into the deep. Let the shoreline go. Launch out, launch out. And the ocean's divine out where the shorelines go. I want to launch. I want to get so far I can't even see the shore anymore. I want to get out into His presence. You know, I just sense this morning just that stillness of the the peace of God just just to wait a moment. For some of you, this may be the only time you get a sense of the presence of God in your week. Now, I want to challenge you to go deeper than that. But can we just wait for a moment in his presence this morning? Can we just not be in our religious duty hurry and think, oh my God, when is he going to let us out of here today? And would he set me free this morning to go to McDonald's? Gross. Jesus, we wait on you. Lord, I just pray that your presence would just settle on our lives in a greater degree. Lord your presence builds the church not works of man it's your presence that builds our lives and builds our church Lord we can strive in our own works and our own attempts we can try to organize our lives and structure our lives and miss the greatness of our King See how simple that is? See how simple it is just to take a moment and just allow the presence of God to just settle on you and to refresh you and renew you? I want to encourage you, thanks, Grace. I want to encourage you that that should be an everyday occurrence of your life. It should be an everyday occurrence of our lives that we just take time to say, God, I need fresh manna today. I just need a fresh touch today. And the more that you do this, the greater his presence will get. The more, that you, the more that you take time to linger in his presence. And, you know, Wednesday night was so awesome. Wednesday night, if you don't make Wednesday night services, I want to encourage you to come out on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. We have child care if you have children. We have children's ministry happening. But we have a great time on Wednesdays. Heather's wrapping up our series on Holy Spirit, the promised one. In a couple weeks, I'm going to be starting a series on the miracles of Jesus. But I want to tell you, Wednesday nights... Wednesday night was phenomenal. If you weren't here, um, we were just, it, it was just so simple. We were just having a time of worship as we do in every service. And we took time at the end of worship before we transitioned just to linger, just much like we did right now, just linger in worship. And as we did, the, God began to move. It was awesome. God was moving in people's hearts. It was refreshing. There was a, there was a word given for somebody. Grace got a prophetic, Pastor Grace had a prophetic song Um, and ministered out of prophetic song it was just a simple song but it was very it was it was a holy ghost inspired song in that moment it was awesome and so I would encourage you if you if you can make Wednesdays Wednesdays is just a great midweek refresher and um, God's doing something supernatural so I would encourage you be here when the doors are open there's incredible things happening at celebration and all five of you are excited praise the Lord Now, I've had several people tell me, um, you know, you pastor, you just have to be patient with us. We're not used to being responsive in service. And then somebody said the other day, well, there's you know, I guess there really is. It wasn't it wasn't even someone in our church. It wasn't someone in our church. It wasn't even someone that goes to church. And they said, I guess there's a difference between the South and the North when it comes to church. There's a different culture. And I said, yeah, there is. There is a little bit of a difference between the South and the North in the, in the church. And, and uh, it, you know, it's interesting. And, and people say, well, be patient. We're being patient. We're, we, we're being patient. We're, we're on the journey of a lifetime here. And the awesome thing Heather and I were talking about this the other day. It's been four months. It seems much longer than four months. It seems like we've been here for a long time. Not in a bad way. It just seems like we've known you for a long time. But it has been so awesome to see the transformation of what God has done in this church. It's awesome. It's awesome. Now I realize not everybody's going to like change, and and that's normal. And usually it has to do with control, but that's okay. Um, I don't like change either. And uh, moving, moving 17 hours away and all that, that was a challenge just as much as it was for you, it was for us. And uh, it's been exciting, though, to see what God has done. We have seen and heard so many testimonies and, and seen God do so many awesome things in just four months. It's unbelievable. So... Um, we have people calling us all the time, texting us all the time. Of course, we've had, what, 15 different visitors come since we've been here, wanting to see what God's doing in the church. They've heard all about it, and every single person that's been a guest of ours that has come, whether that was from New Orleans or wherever, they've all said something's happening in your church, and there's something stirring in your church. And we had, uh, of course, Pastor John Palmer and Debbie were with us last week. They were able, they were in town, actually. That's a miracle that they weren't traveling. And uh, so they were able to be with us last week with uh, their son and daughter-in-law. And uh, what an awesome response they gave. Debbie, I was in the foyer. Debbie comes running out. She said, there is life in this church. She was excited. And then uh, uh, Kevin Corbin. that's correct name, I hope I'm saying the right name, Kevin was with us, and uh, Craig, Corbin, sorry, Craig, Craig, Kevin, oh well, they all run, it all runs together, he'll know who I'm talking about if he's listening to the recording, and uh, he was with us, and he said afterwards uh, as well, he said, there is something phenomenal happening in this church, and uh, he said, I don't know who that girl is on stage, but she is on fire, <laughs> and of course... Pastor Grace is out dealing with something, so (laughs) she missed the the plug. I'll tell her this week. But but anyway, so awesome things are happening, and I want to encourage you get involved. Do do all that you can to be involved in what's happening here. We have a lot of events. Holidays are full, Christmas is full of things going on, and I want to encourage you come be a part and bring your friends and family to all that's going on during the Christmas time. We have uh, I have an illustrated sermon that I'm doing from the perspective of Simeon. And uh, we have a uh, Christmas toy giveaway for the children who need Christmas toys. We have a... Special miracle offering. We have a variety show that our pastors and our staff are putting on uh, to involve the kids. That should be quite interesting. I don't know what's going on with that yet. We have a lot of things going on that's going to be great for the family. We have Christmas Eve, Carols by Candlelight going on. You can see all this in the bulletin. Not to mention all of the parties that are going on. And then we have Polar Express for the kids, uh, movie night. So check out your bulletin. Also, within the next couple of weeks, you'll be able to see our new website. Uh, We have a new website that's been in development, and uh, Caleb Lichty's been helping us with it, and we have a web designer, and so that's getting wrapped up uh, this week, so it should be live within the next week or so. Uh, Our new church app is going to be launched, so all all of these awesome technology things are happening as well, so a lot of great stuff. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Galatians with me. I was thinking this morning, we're, we're continuing our message series on breaking and living free. Next week is our last week, by the way, of breaking and living free. And so next week, I'm going to be teaching on Christ, my deliverer. This week, I'm going to be teaching on committing everything to God. How many of you know sometimes it's easy to say we're going to commit it to God, but we usually do the opposite. And so we're going to talk about committing things to God. But uh, before we get there, I was thinking uh, this morning, as I often do as I'm getting ready for church, about the series and all that God's been saying and uh, the different responses and testimonies that we've gotten from people. We've had a lot of responses from this series, people saying, hey, God is reading my mail. He's messing up my life through this series. Love it. Uh, We've had people emailing and asking for notes and so on, so on. So uh, it's awesome. Uh, But that being said, I was thinking about all this this morning, and of course, we're all on a a journey. We're all walking. We're learning to walk in the Spirit. Let's try that again. We're we're, we're learning to walk in the Spirit. Spirit. Okay. And so on this journey, of course, we've talked about that we're we have to have observation. We have to have purpose. We have to have action and balance all of these things. We we're walking on a journey. We know where we're headed. We're walking in the spirit. We're uh, enjoying the journey with Christ. We're on a heavenly destination. And let me just pause right there and say this. A lot of times we think and, and we, we understand destiny as something that's far off. That uh, someday I will achieve my purpose in life. Well, and, and there is a lot of teaching on that these days. Let me correct that. Your destiny is lived today today. If you, if God, maybe God's called you, I say this a lot to people who are called to ministry. If God's called you to ministry, that's awesome. Don't wait for 10 years to start what God's called you to do. Start now. Maybe it's just going to one Bible college class a week or doing something. Just get started. Maybe God's called you to, um, you know, with us, we want to. Someday, have a bookstore and a cafe. And um, I said, Okay, God, we're going to start a bookstore and a caf- cafe someday. That's been a dream in this church with this opportunity to reach our community and do great things. So let's start now. Let's not wait for 20 years. Let's do something now. So Jen said, Hey, I've always wanted to do something. And so now she started a resource table. And we're, we're selling, we've sold out of couple of books and we're ordering more we're trying to keep up there you can order books out there if there's a book that you want that we don't have or cd we can order those but any that's just a plug for our resource table and that's that's how we ought to live is God what are you saying and what can I do now to be on this journey it's not a destiny some some far off destiny in the future God's called me to enjoy heaven now God's called me to enjoy. We we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that's full of sin and depravity. and, And it's messed up. We can all agree on that. But you and I can begin to step into the heavenly realm on our own every day of our lives. We can begin to step in. The the Holy Spirit is our transporter. The Holy Spirit, it's like getting on a river in a boat and you begin to ride on that boat down the river. It takes you wherever that river goes. Well, the Holy Spirit is that river. He he transports us. He takes us where we need to go. And so as you begin to yield and walk in the spirit He transports us along this journey into heavenly places. And so I want to encourage you this morning that if you feel like maybe your spiritual life is dried up or maybe you feel like, man, things just aren't as vibrant in my life as they used to be spiritually, I want to tell you the Holy Spirit wants to transport, transport you out of your humdrum Christianity into full vibrancy, full on, full decimal quality of life living in heaven now. Now, I realize that some of you are not excited about that. You're happy where you're at in this life? Hey, I got that. There are I, and, and you know, nobody will ever admit to this. Nobody will ever say, "Well, I'm happy." Well, I Shouldn't say that because we have had a couple people say that <laughs> through the years. We have had people say, "I have, I have all of God I need." But in case you're here and you're one of those that would say, "I do need more of God," um, the Holy Spirit will transport you into that. And so we're walking. We're walking with purpose. We have a destination. We're we're walking with observation. We're we're not allowing the obstacles of this life to trip us up as we walk in the Spirit. We're not, you know. And this is what I was thinking about this week and. I was kind of walking you down a journey and why I started earlier saying I was thinking about this morning. This is what I was thinking about. We get so sorry that made sense in my head. I don't know if that made any sense to you. I was connecting the dots in my brain of where I was going. You may have not had any clue where I was going and now you're completely lost. Just take it as we're walking, watching for obstacles. So this morning, I was thinking about this, that we're walking in the Spirit. And I began to think about the Galatians. And in Galatians 3, this is what Paul said to the Galatians. In Galatians 3, verse 1, he says, O foolish Galatians. Now, now, I'm just going to be real with you this morning, because that's how I operate. Put Put in your name there, O foolish Zach (laughs) because we've all probably been there when when God would want to say to each of us, oh, foolish Zach, I can't believe you. Oh, foolish Zach, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? And so this this pointed text from Paul really is, is aimed not just at the Galatians, but it's aimed at all of us. Oh, foolish, fill in the gap. Did this work that began in the Spirit, now somehow are you going to complete by doing works of the flesh? In other words, we're on this, this walk in the Spirit. Are you going to try to do it in your own strength? Are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to walk you through this and bring victory in your life? We can try to do it on our own, but we fail miserably every time. So why not allow the Holy Spirit to help us complete the journey that we started on? And, and that's what Paul's referencing here, is that Galatians, who's bewitched you? In other words, who, who's deceived you? Who's slandered you? Who's talked you out of this journey that you've, been, you've started? You know, it's so easy sometimes as believers we, we start this journey with Christ and, and and God does something supernatural in our lives. We get born again, and something supernatural happens in our lives. And, and we, maybe your issue, your hang-up was going to the bars. You were an alcoholic. And God, you get born again, and you no longer are bound by alcoholism. But instead of alcohol, instead of alcohol filling the void in your life, you go home, veg out on the couch, and eat a bag of chips every night. Oh, it got really quiet in here. So I guess that means everybody goes home and veg out and eats a bag of chips every night. <laughs> all right, we 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 still have an addiction. It's just changed. We're we're still not we're not living according to the spiritual laws of God. We're not taking care of our temple. Hey, I know all about eating those bag of chips. I, lo- I love I love chips and dip and chips and salsa. But the reality is that we've just replaced one issue for another. We're, yes, it's a step in the right direction, and yes, we're moving in the right direction. But that's like telling somebody, hey, if you're in a bad mood. Don't go complain to everybody and criticize everybody and get all negative. And yet, instead of going and telling everybody off, they go on Facebook and blast everybody on Facebook. What's the difference? Now, I know I'm stepping on toes this morning and everybody's going to go home and check their Facebook feeds and make sure that they're not posting things. I got it. But the reality is it, we're, we're all on this journey, and I get that. We're all on this journey, and there, there's transformation, step-by-step transformation that's happening. But I want to encourage you, as Paul told the Galatians, don't allow the, the deceptive talk of others to get you, to get you snared and off track. But to stay focused, walking in the Spirit, don't allow life circumstance and don't allow the the hurtful things of. Hey, I've probably said something that's hurt you or offended you, and if I haven't, I'm guaranteed there's going to come a day where I'm going to say something that's going to hurt you or offend you. There's, I promise. I be, why? Because one, I'm human, and two, you're human. We all have our perception and we all see things and view things. We all have hurts and issues and hang ups Everybody has issues and, and hang ups this morning. And so we're all on this journey walking in the spirit together and we have to watch for these obstacles that would get us off track. This is what Paul's talking about. Watch for the obstacles. He says, if you want to not fulfill the lust of the flesh... You've got to walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5. You've got to walk in the Spirit, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And so we, we walk in the Spirit. We've got to watch for those obstacles. We've got to watch for the assaults. The enemy would like nothing more than to come against you and to attack you and cause doubt and discouragement. He wants to get your focus off the Word of God and off the authority of God and onto your situation. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden, we talked about last week, the life cycle of a lion, Adam and Eve in the garden. The enemy wanted to come in and question God's word and God's authority. And that is the greatest attack of the enemy is to cause you to begin to doubt God's word and his authority in your life. You know, a lot of times we have this idea that the enemy's gonna come against us with a pitchfork and, and a pointed tail and we're gonna see him coming, but he's the angel of light. And rarely do we see him coming. Usually he's puffing up our ego and making us feel good about ourselves and, and we find ourselves having a pity party in the middle of a discouraging situation instead of saying, God, what are you working out of my life in this situation? And so when you're faced with those those difficult moments or those difficult situations or maybe, maybe you feel lonely or depressed or discouraged or, or you're facing circumstances in this life, don't allow yourself to veg out on the couch. <laughs> Don't allow yourself to get isolated. Don't allow yourself to live according to, according to your natural man. Listen, I understand sitting on the couch and eating that bag of chips. I'm going to get off of that in a second, I promise. I'm just it's a simple example. And so, for me it would be going home and eating a gallon of Spumoni ice cream. I love that. That's my favorite. And, and Jim said, amen. <laughs> um, you know, we, I love that. I, cannolis, man, those Italian cannolis, man, they, whoo. Okay, I'm going to stop. I'm making people hungry this morning. I realize that might not be sin. I realize that, that going home and, 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 and vegging out or whatever is not necessarily a sin issue, But how many of you know that God's called us to live according to the spirit? We're talking about walking in the spirit, not our natural man. There's there's the carnal nature, our sinful nature. There's our natural man and there's the spiritual man. And so you can live according to your carnal, sinful nature which we do, sometimes we do, and that's the sanctifying work of God in us. And then there's our carn- or our natural man. Just, just by being alive, there's things that our natural desires and our natural man wants that's not going to glorify God, and it's not beneficial for us. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. And then there's our spiritual man, and we want to walk according to the Spirit of God in our lives. And so we got to watch for those assaults, and then we, we have to have balance in our life. You have to walk with balance. We have to have spiritual perception. The walking with balance is to have spiritual perception. We have to have ears and eyes, our spiritual senses. The Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I am nowhere on my notes, and they're probably wondering where in the world I'm at. And they said, yes, amen. I'm not on my notes. I'm just teaching this morning. So y'all good? Y'all still with me? Okay. And so... I was getting weird looks from the media booth, and I, I just want you to know, you're okay. You're not, you have not lost your mind. Well, at least not because of that. And uh, so, <laughs> and so we, uh, we have to have balance. We have to have spiritual perception. Spiritual perception is, our, uh, now faith is. You know, a lot of times we, we teach or hear teaching that faith is, name it and claim it. If you, if you call it, you have it. That's not faith. Faith is our spiritual perceptivity. Faith is the ability to, very simply, is our ability to perceive or have our spiritual senses. It's our spiritual senses. Just like in life, you have uh, the ability to see and to hear, to taste and to touch. Faith is our spiritual senses. It's our ability to hear and to see and to taste and to touch spiritual things. It's our, it's our ability to perceive with uh, supernatural sensitivity. In other words, you see evidence of things seen. Uh, the, the the now faith is the evidence of things seen. Well, let's read it because I'm going to get all mixed up. And I'm I'm teaching Hebrews chapter eleven. Everybody, go there. Go in your Bibles. He, Hebrews chapter eleven, verse one. This is important. This is this is this is basic Christianity right here. Hebrews chapter eleven, verse one, says, "Now faith is the substance of things hoped for." The evidence of things not seen. Now faith is. We see it's active. It's alive. It's real. Now faith is the substance. It's tangible. It's a tangible substance. It's active. It's alive. It's real today. Faith is the substance of things. The evidence. The proof. The reality of things not seen. And so it's our spiritual senses. It's seeing things That that exist, but not in the natural. It's the ability to see what God's doing, what God's saying. What has He spoken over this situation? God, help me have faith. I I, I'm dealing with I'm dealing with discouragement in my life. What What are you saying about this situation? My natural situation, my natural man says this, but what does your word say? About this. What do you say? What's going on in heaven? Remember, Jesus prayed, Let your kingdom come, let let your will be done on earth as it what's going on in heaven. Heaven's not a discouraging place. Heaven's not a depressed place. Heaven's not a lonely place. So, So what's happening in heaven and faith is our ability to see what's going on and being able to say, God, help me have that in the natural. Help me to see that in the natural. And so I want to take a look at this morning what it means to commit everything to God. As we're on this journey, we're walking with purpose. We're walking uh, with, with having a determined destiny. We're walking with observation and balance and watching out for the assaults. As we're on this journey, how do we commit everything to God? A lot of times the battle is not in the decision to commit everything to God. We want to commit things. As believers, we want to commit our lives and our circumstances to God. We would all probably in this room say, yeah, I want to commit to God. But if we go home and watch your actions, are you really committing everything to God? God, God, I don't I, I, I do not want to be lonely and depressed. But then instead of being lonely and depressed, you go do things that cause you to become more lonely and depressed you begin to live according to the natural man instead of the spiritual man. Y'all follow me this morning. In First Kings chapter 18, 18, verse 21, it says this. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. Why? Because they were faltering between two opinions. They wouldn't make up their mind. They wouldn't make a commitment. And so today, I want to take a look at why, what it, what it means to commit everything to God, why we commit everything to God, and how we commit everything to God. In Proverbs chapter 3, if you want to go in your Bibles, we're going to refer to Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6 a couple of times. This is probably a familiar passage for some. I love this passage of Scripture. Proverbs chapter three and verse five says, trust, everybody say trust. trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That word trust is the word in our in English language is the word commit. We commit everything to God. In other words, we make a pledge or a binding declaration to be bound with trust, so God, we trust you in spite of our circumstance. There's a story about a pig and a chicken. Don't ask me why it's a pig and a chicken. I, I, there's a story about a pig and a chicken. I'm from the south, so we we talk animals. They went to the grocery store. They were walking, and they they were walking by the grocery store. And the chicken says to the pig, "Hey, we should go in and offer our services. Maybe we can help them out." And the pig's mouth kind of, you know, he oinks and opens his mouth a little bit, and looks at the chicken and says to the chicken, hey, for you, that's just a little bit of work. For me, they want the whole goods. It's a total commitment if I go in and offer my services. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes, haha, that was a bad joke. Okay, so I tried. It was my attempt at humor. And so, you know, sometimes we go into, into situations and circumstances and we think, God, I, I want to commit to you in this situation. I want to I give you, I want to give this to you. I want to trust you. But This is a total commitment. This means I've got to give up control. This means I've got to give up my control and and allow you to have your way. I've got to allow the Spirit of God to direct my steps. I've I've got to walk according to the Spirit instead of my natural man. That's uncomfortable, Jesus. So, what are we to trust? In Mark chapter 12 and verse 30, it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul with all your mind and all your strength. So we have right here what we are to trust to God. One, our heart is our inner man. We're to trust God with our inner man. We're to trust God with our soul, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. We're to trust God with our mind. That's our thoughts and contemplations. Wow. When's the last time you trusted God with your contemplations, your innermost thoughts? Yeah, I probably am. When you you know when you really just want to tell that person off and you really just want to say something that you know is going to get you in trouble, those deep contemplations, those those innermost thoughts of your heart, saying, "God, I trust you with those." And then our strength, our physical being. Paul told Timothy in Second Timothy two and ver- or 2 Timothy one verse twelve, he says, "For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed." And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him. I know, God, that if I commit my life, if I can can commit my mind and my soul and my strength, if I can commit everything I am, if I will just yield. Everybody say yield. Yield. Now, those of you who don't like that word didn't say it. Everybody say yield. yield. Okay, there you go. Yield. What is yield? Yield means when you're driving, you let the other person have their way, right? And it's the same thing spiritually. We yield to God and say, God, I'm gonna take the back seat here. I'm gonna die to my flesh. I'm gonna I'm gonna crucify my flesh. Bible, remember Jesus said crucify? And so I'm going to crucify myself and allow you to have the right of way. I'm gonna allow you to have your way in my life. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna yield. I'm gonna die to self and allow you to have your way. What are some of the hindrances for us committing ourselves to God? Well Completely sum it up, idolatry. All of the things I'm about ready to give you are all forms of idolatry. Number one, we see the first hindrance is things. In Matthew 6, Jesus talked about not worrying about what we'll eat or wear or how we're going to take care of ourselves. See, the birds of the air, are they not taken care of? Are the, are the flowers and all these things, are they not taken care of? Don't worry about those things, Jesus said. And so a lot of times things cause us, well, God... What if this happens? I call it the "what if" what if syndrome. God, what if this happens? I mean, I'll commit to you. I'll commit this area of my life to you. But, but what if they hurt me again? Well, God, what if, what if I what if I go what if what if the, the, the markets crash again and, and I, I and I lose my job? God, what what? And we come up with all these what ifs instead of trusting. See, trusting says, I know the what-ifs may come. I know those circumstances may come, but God's got me covered when they do. I trust God more than circumstance. I trust God more than my natural abilities or talents. I trust him. I'm walking in the spirit. And if I'm walking in the spirit, then God will direct my steps. I don't have to worry about those things. matter of fact, Matthew 6.33, one of our favorite scriptures, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be taken care of. They'll be added to you. Don't worry about it. If you just begin to pursue the kingdom of God, well... I've seen people just get crazy with that. You know, they just, they sell out. I've heard this before. They sell out and they become church fanatics. And they're always at church and always. Anybody ever heard that before? You know, I would rather be a fanatic about Christ than caught up in the depression and glum, gloomy mess of this world. I'd rather find my joy and excitement in him. I'd rather enjoy him than be messed up in this world. And and a dark day with Jesus is a whole lot better than a dark day without him. So, so you can be gloomy and depressed on your own. But as for me, I'm going to be a fanatic and I'll be in love with Jesus. Hindrance number two, others. Our relationships, sometimes unhealthy relationships, cause us to... Keep from trusting God. Maybe there's someone who's manipulating you or controlling you. Maybe there's hurt or uh, abuse or things in your life that cause you to keep from trusting God. You equate. Maybe you're here this morning and you equate the love of God to to the abuse of a father. Maybe you equate the the presence of God to the hurt or something that's been done to you in the past. And I will say to you this. The Bible says that God is a husband and he is a father to the fatherless. He's a husband to the widow. He will love you past your hurt and your pain. If you'll just let him, if you'll just say, God, I'm a mess. I'm having a hard time trusting you. I'm having a hard time committing the things in my life to you because I've been hurt. Sometimes the hardest thing in our life is to say, I've been hurt. Sometimes the hardest thing is just coming clean with God and say, God, I've been hurt. He knows you've been hurt. He knows the circumstances of your life. He knows what's happened. He's just saying, would you just commit it to me? Would you just trust me with it? And then thirdly, the third thing, the third hindrance, if you will, is ourselves. We see our own anxieties. we see our own fear. We see our own shortcomings instead of seeing who God is. Galatians two twenty says, "I have been crucified with Christ." Have you been crucified this morning? Or are you still trying to get off the cross? Are you have you really been crucified this morning? Or are you still trying to wiggle your way off the altar? See, crucifixion is permanent. When you crucify something, unless you're Jesus, it's permanent. It's dying. It's staying dead. That old nature needs to be crucified. I am crucified with Christ. There's no longer I who live, but Christ Christ. Who lives in me. And the life that I live. I live a life. Oh yeah. I live. I live like I've never lived before. I live a life. It is the most abundant life. It is the God kind of life. This life that I live in the flesh. I'm living a God. This verse proves it this morning. If you didn't believe me earlier. This verse proves it. You can live the God kind. Where'd the verse go? You can live the God kind of life. You can live the God kind of life in the flesh. Nope. Wrong. Wrong. Galatians two twenty. There you go. You can live this life which I now live in the flesh. I can live this kind of life myself in the flesh. This God kind of life now by how faith in this what faith spiritual perception in the Son of God. How do, what am I perceiving Christ? What is Christ saying? What is Christ doing? What is He speaking over my life? Who loved me and gave Himself for me. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, I know the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. How many of you know this verse? How many of you love this verse? I know the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you future and a hope. This is the God kind of life. When we lay aside our hindrances, we're taking up the God kind of life for us. So why do I commit? Why do I commit everything to God? I need a volunteer. Joe, would you come here? You're an intern, so you get picked on. Come on up here. Now, I'm sure you've seen this happen before. This is probably nothing new. I want you to come over here. Now, I like Joe, so I'm going to try not to drop Joe. But, but we've all probably seen this done, the, the, the trust fall. So Joe, why don't you fall? okay. (laughs) Okay. Was that easy for you to do? Then why were you nervous? Okay. 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 We're going to do this again. We're going to do this again. Okay. Are you sure you want to do this? Yeah. Okay. Fall. Okay. Y'all still with us? Okay. Now, don't tell him. I'm going to drop him this next time. No, I'm just joking. I won't. (laughs) Now. The first two times, he fell with me not touching, and he was tr- trusting, sort of, that I was back there. Now, Joe, I'm going to put my hands on your shoulder. Now I want you to fall. Now, which, which out of the three times was easier? Number the third? Okay, three. thank you. You can have a seat. Now, obviously, it was easier, yes. <laughs> now, obviously, it was easier for Joe to fall the third time because my hands were on his back. And it's easier to trust God. The same is true. It's easier to trust God when we've gone through the experience of knowing that he'll catch us. When we are aware that he's with us and that his hands are on our back, that he's guiding us, we begin to trust him more easily. You know, when you, when you take that small step of God, sometimes trusting God is an event in our life. Sometimes it's just an event. That's all it is. God, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but okay, I'll trust. You. But the more that you begin to trust him, it's, it becomes not just an event, but it's a lifestyle. It's not something that you do one time. It becomes a lifestyle of trusting. God, wow, I know you're going to take care of me. You're going to tr- I can trust you. You're going to take care of my situation. Committed lives are growing lives because they invite the presence of God to work in and through them to strengthen, mature, and establish his plans and purposes. I'll say that again. Committed lives are growing lives because they invite the presence of God to work in them and through them to strengthen to mature, to establish his plans and purposes. The more you learn to trust and commit everything to God, the more it becomes a lifestyle. said this, the more it becomes a lifestyle rather than an event. Three reasons we trust God. Number one, you'll love this. It brings rest. You stop striving. We know that striving can just wear you out. You just... By the time you get home, you know, if you're you're in a work environment that you're just constantly striving instead of trusting God with your work environment, by the time you get home, you don't want to talk to your kids, you don't want to see your family, go fix your own meal to your husband, you know, all those things. But instead, when you begin to trust God, you rest in the assurance that God... I may not know how this is going to work out, but you're going to take care of it. I don't have to strive when I get home. I can rest when I get home. I don't have to work 24-7. I can rest and trust you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And Maybe you're, maybe you're not a workaholic. Maybe you're just a perfectionist like me. And um, as a perfectionist, I can say this because I am one. I is one. I, I want, Everything has to be perfect. And if it's not perfect... I'm going to strive very, very, very diligently and put a lot of pressure on myself to make sure that it is perfect. And I, I've gotten really good at being a perfectionist and not taking it out on staff and, and making staff be perfectionist with me. I've learned the difference. I make my wife make them perfect. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Now, I, I understand that other people are limited, but sometimes, how I many of you know that if you're a perfectionist, you know what I'm talking about, you can understand and appreciate other people's limitedness, but for you, you shouldn't be. And so you strive instead of trusting God. God, I trust you with myself. I trust you with myself that I know that I'm not perfect and complete and I have shortcomings. But I can trust you with my mind and my emotions. I can trust you with my weaknesses because you're made strong, Paul said, in my weakness. Your, your grace is made perfect. Your strength is made perfect in my weakness. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, it, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. How is it with your soul today? Are you troubled in your, in your mind? Are you troubled in your will or emotions? Is life getting the best of you? Then you need to lay aside your striving and take on the rest of Christ by committing everything to him. Secondly, when we begin to trust God, we increase in our faith. We increase in our ability to perceive what God is saying and doing. That first time that you that you hear God, how many of you remember the first time or you remember the first time you heard God speak to you about something. Maybe you were reading scripture or maybe God spoke to you or he spoke to you through someone else and that, man, it was life to your soul and and then you begin to act on what God spoke and man, that situation just began to turn around and God began to do something supernatural in your life. Well, just like that, God wants to do it every day of your life. God wants to speak through his word every day of your life. He wants to speak to you, make it alive and real to you. In the middle of those circumstances, you can can begin to commit all that you're going through in life. And as you do, it builds faith and your perception increases. You begin to hear the things of God more clearly in your life. Have you ever been through a season in your life where it just seemed like the waters were muddied and you were trying to hear God's voice and you just couldn't hear him clear enough and then it seemed like God was silent Y'all are being so super spiritual this morning. If you haven't been there, you will go through that season. I promise you haven't been there. You will go through a season where it does seem like God is silent. And you say, God, I thought you said I thought and you start going through the list. Now, let me ask you that. Is that trusting God? (laughs) Obviously, probably not. But but when you're going through those seasons of when God seems silent, he really isn't. God, I, I don't really hear All that you're saying. God, I really don't understand what's going on in this situation. I don't hear your voice, but I know this is what your word says. I'll lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, He will not allow my foot to be moved. He who keeps me will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall not slumber or sleep. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is the shade. And you begin to stir yourself up and encourage yourself up in the word of God. That's what David did. Remember, we talked about last week, David had to encourage himself in the Lord. Sometimes we have to speak words of life. We talked about last week and, and, and begin to speak what we know is happening in heaven. We have to begin to speak that word over our lives. And then thirdly, we begin to release it. We can say all day long, God, I commit it to you. I commit it to you. And then it's like that, that stubborn kid who doesn't want to let go of their blankie at night. Let go of the blanket. No. And the first word you learn as a child, no. I want to release Those areas of my life to God, I don't want to hold on. I want to commit them. I want to release them. I have to give up my possession of those circumstances and give them to God. How do I do that? Earlier, we read from Proverbs chapter three, and we'll jump back there and take a look at this as we wrap up today. Proverbs chapter three and verse five again says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths." There's two words when it comes to committing everything to God. There's two words I want you to hear this morning, two Bible words I want you to get this morning. One is providence. Providence means this, it's God's faithful and effective care and guidance of everything which he has made toward the end which he's chosen. If God has made you to glorify him, guess what? He is going to take care of every circumstance in your life. His providence is going to come true in your life. He's going to take care in the good times, the bad, the ugly, and the the great. He's going to make sure that all those circumstances work out for his glory and your good in his life. That's what the Bible says. Even when it doesn't look like it, he's still going to take care of you. And then the second word that I love is the word sovereignty. The Lord is of all and ruler of all. He's over it all. And so there's absolutely nothing that comes my way that God does not direct. or. Well, what about sin and sickness and death? There's nothing that comes my way that God does not ordain or direct my steps. If, if it comes my way, then God's going to see to it that it's going to glorify him and it's going to be for my benefit. Come on. Amen. So Proverbs says this about that. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord. That word trust is the word that means to give it all with firm reliability, with strength, to have strength of someone or something that you know that I am putting my trust, I'm putting confidence, I'm firmly relying on God. I'm giving it all to him. The word lean in Proverbs 3, lean not on your own understanding. What are you leaning on? You know, you can lean... You can lean on a chair. You know, when you're leaning on this, I'm putting my weight on this chair. I'm leaning on this chair. I'm expecting that when I go to lean into this, it's going to hold me up. I'm trusting it. I'm, I'm having some sort of commitment to this chair right now that is going to support me. When you begin to lean on natural wisdom and understanding, it will fail you. Natural wisdom and understanding brings destruction, but, but godly wisdom. What does godly wisdom look like? Well, Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. When we want to respond out of anger and vengeance, God says, return with a soft answer. That's God wisdom. God wisdom in Matthew 5 says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Man, that's just an encouraging word this morning. I want to bless those who persecute. I want, to, I want to what? I want to pray for? I want to give something to them? No, that's not, that's not natural wisdom. That's, that's godly wisdom. Godly wisdom says in Matthew 10, he who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That doesn't make sense to the natural mind. I'm going to lay down my life and somehow gain life? That doesn't make sense in the natural. That's godly wisdom. 2 Corinthians 12.10 says, therefore, I take pleasure in this, in this word. We don't want to say, we don't want to read this verse in church. We don't want to read this verse. Now, I take pleasure in infirmities. Yeah, I heard that. Ugh. Yeah, what is, what is that? Our natural man doesn't, we, we want to mark this verse out of the Bible. This is godly wisdom. Paul says, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, in needs and persecutions and distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, he's strong. So Paul's saying, when it happens, let it come. When it it rains, let it pour. I don't care. It's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. Yes, it's going to be character building. But in all things, in all things, God's working all things for my good and his glory. Natural wisdom is different than godly wisdom. We want to have godly wisdom. And this third word in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is this word acknowledge. I love this word. This is a good Bible word. In the Hebrew, it's the word "yada." It means to intimately know someone. It's the same word used for relationship between a husband and wife. And it's used very commonly throughout Scripture. We are to intimately know God. We are to acknowledge Him in all our ways. We are to know Him. We are to have an intimate relationship with Him. There are things that you will only get from his presence when you're intimate with him. There is a relationship that only comes by intimacy with him. There, There are things that you can get in the middle of difficult seasons and storms and hardships when you're walking in the spirit and God begins to poke on that issue of your heart. God, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to. It's challenging, but we say, God, I just want to know you. God, I just want to be intimate with you. I just want to know you personally, intimately. God, I don't want just a form of religion. I just don't want to read your word and be in and, and words on a page. It needs to be real and alive. I want an intimate, vibrant relationship with you. How does that happen? Through revelation. John eight thirty two says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You shall know. You shall. It's the equivalent word in the Greek. You shall know. You shall have an intimate relationship with knowledge. It, that revelation will set you free. And then John fourteen twenty six. I love this verse. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and and helps us to, to walk in the Spirit. Not only are we to walk in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit helps us walk in the Spirit and fulfills the ministry of Jesus in our lives. He fulfills the very things that Jesus spoke, the very things that are in this book. The Holy Spirit brings it to our remembrance. He helps us live it out. And then we repent. God, I'm sorry for hanging on to it myself. I'm sorry for trying to do it my own way. God, I, I know that I, I've held on to this circumstance, this situation, this area of my life, when I just need to release it to you. I, I've tried to control myself. I've tried to control life. I've tried to control others, and it's just not working. And so I repent. I turn from that and turn to you. And then thirdly, again, we release it. Commit your way to the Lord. Psalms 37, 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He he shall bring it to pass. Why don't you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. As you stand, I, I was thinking I was thinking this morning about the life of David Brainerd. And well, I'll, I'm going to use that quote in just a moment if you want to find it. I was thinking this morning about David Brainerd. If you, if you are not familiar with David Brainerd, I would encourage you, there is a book, You don't have to put it up yet. Just give me a second. There is a book called *The Life and Diary of David Brainerd. Thank you. There is a book called *The Life and Diary of David Brainerd*. It was written by Jonathan Edwards. It is the the book is the book basically is the movement for modern missions. It it is the foundation of modern of the modern missions movement. A lot of a lot of missionaries go back to the life of David Brainerd. David Brainerd was a missionary to the Native Americans. He had tuberculosis. And in in his mid to late twenties, the tur- tuberculosis really began to act up. He begins he becomes very ill. Now this is during just to give you this, the the reference. This is in the seventeen hundreds. This is during the time frame of it's preceding the Great Awakening. The Great Awakening is getting ready to take place. George Whitfield, George Whitfield, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, Wesley. Um, all of these folks were contemporaries of of David Brainerd. They were all they were all about the same age. And here's here's David Brainerd. He's preaching, ministering, giving it everything he's got, ministering to the Native Americans. So much so, again, as I said, so much so, David Brainerd is considered by many two hundred and sixty whatever years later considered the founder for modern missions movement. And this book, one of the this this Uh, Biography by Jonathan Edwards is one of the the fundamentals of missions movement and what we see in today's culture. When, When David Brainerd got ill and couldn't minister anymore, he went and stayed with Jonathan Edwards at his home. And Jonathan Edwards and his family began to take care of David Brainerd while he was dying. David Brainerd died in Jonathan Edwards' home at the age of 29. And I think about all of this. I think about David Brainerd's life. And in, in if you read his journal, if you read, because his journal has been, Edwards took his journal and be, edited it and published it in this book, The Life and Diary of David. De- if you go through and you read it, it is absolutely incredible to see what this young man in, in his 20s struggled with. And the things that he dealt with, the doubt and the struggles and the fears, that, not to mention his physical ailments. One of his ancestors said that for 200 years, every member of their family died at a young age. Most of them were gone by mid 30s. There was a a family generational cycle of death and disease. And all of this, to see what he battled, to see what he went through, and to read his writings are just absolutely incredible. This is what he wrote on October 2nd. He died on October 9th. This is what he wrote on October 2nd. My soul was this day at turns. Sweetly set on God, I longed to be with him that I might behold his glory. I felt sweetly disposed to commit all to him, even my dearest friends, my dearest flock, my absent brother, and all my concerns for time and eternity. Oh, that his kingdom might come in the world, that they might all love and glorify him for what he what he is in himself and that the blessed redeemer might see of the travail of his soul and be satisfied Oh, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. On his deathbed, just a, days before he dies, Edwards said his, his countenance and everything about him had shifted, and you could tell he was looking towards heaven. That, that this life, he lived a life of giving everything he had for those Native Americans, reaching out, and ministering. So what does all that have to do? I I think about. I think about the Edwardses, I think about. Brainerd's, I think about the Wesleys. I think about all of these, the George Whitfields. I think about all of these that have gone on before. and have laid a foundation. They've walked in the spirit. The Wigglesworth and the Coolmans and uh, McPherson. All of them that have walked this supernatural journey in the spirit. And so much so affected the world around them. Transformed. It was said of, uh, of um, Finney. That his train, he would be passing through a town and his train would pass through the town and the whole city would come under repentance and conviction just as his, as his train passed through the city. I love the story of Wigglesworth. who He went and stayed at a woman's home and, and she was believing for her husband to be born again and he didn't get born again while Wigglesworth was there and Wigglesworth is leaving and she's running after him. Wigglesworth, you can't leave. My husband's not born again yet. And he turns to her and says, don't change the sheets. And that night, the husband and wife got in bed. In the middle of the night, the husband's squirming around in the bed. And the wife wakes up and says, what's going on? He says, there's fire in our bed. And she says, that's the fire of hell. You better repent or you're going to hell. And he gets out of bed and repents and gets born again. True story. That's. That's the life we're called to live. That's not just for that's not just for the Wigglesworth and the brainers. That's the life you and I are called to live—to walk in the Spirit. Lord, I thank you, God, that you would help us to to walk in the Spirit, God, to get our eyes off the natural, to get our eyes off the carnal, to get our eyes off of this life, and to to walk in the Spirit, to see as you see, to hear as you hear, God, that we would begin to walk supernaturally. God, this isn't—it's not challenging uh, beyond your abilities. God, you just say it's—it's it's not by your might or strength, it's by my spirit. Lord, it's it's not something that we have to strive or labor over. God, you just said, yield to me and, and walk. Lord, help us. Help us, God, to just yield. Help us, Lord, to yield and, and allow you to have your way, God, that we can live a supernatural life. We can live an overcoming life. We can live a victorious life, not in the carnal man, not in our natural man, but walking in the spirit, man, walking in the spirit, walking with the Holy Spirit, Lord, I just thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we'll live, we'll live above this life. We won't live burdened down by this life. We'll live above, live above this life. And know, God, and we'll know, God, that you'll work in all things for your glory and our good. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you this morning. There's none like you. There's none like you. You know, maybe you're here this morning, you would say, I don't have a relationship with Christ myself. How is it with your soul this morning? How is it with your soul this morning? Do you have a relationship with Jesus yourself? Are you walking with Christ yourself? If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ for yourself, you can. I want you to know him. I want you to have a relationship with him before you leave this morning. If you're away from God, maybe you once knew him. Maybe things have grown cold. Maybe you've never known him. I want to introduce you to Jesus this morning. How is it with your soul this morning? How is it with your soul this morning? Do you need Christ in your life? If you're here this morning and you would say, I... I want Jesus. I want a relationship with him in my life. Would you just lift your hand this morning with with me this morning? God bless you. Anyone else this morning? God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else this morning? Anyone else this morning, God bless you. God bless you. In just a moment, we're going to give an altar call. And, I, I, and it's going to be you and others. I'm going to invite you to come in just a moment to the front. And we're going, to, we're going to agree with you. We're going to pray for you and pray with you. God's going to do something awesome in your life today. So if you raised your hand in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come. And you're going to join others here at the front. Second group of people this morning. Maybe you're here and you're struggling with committing things to God. There's areas of your life, maybe as I've been sharing this morning, the Holy Spirit's just been poking your heart and and there's areas you just need to learn to commit and yield to Him. You just need to yield to Him instead of striving in your own. And, And maybe God's been dealing with you about that this morning. And you would say, you know what? I need prayer. I need prayer this week. I need prayer. I'm learning to commit things to God. I need to yield areas of my life to Him. Would you lift your hand this morning? Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? You're committing things to God. This is more for you lifting your hand than it is me. It's you acknowledging that you need God's help. Anyone else this morning? God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? I'm struggling with committing areas of my life to God, and I need prayer. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.